Are you talking shift? We are. It's time for the We're Talking Shift podcast. Now, now, now. Here to talk shift, Lori Bischoff. We're talking shift. Hey, everyone. It's Lori Bischoff. Welcome to the We're Talking Shift podcast. This is the space where we talk shift because I believe the antidote to feeling stuck is shifting. And that begins with shifting our thinking. Sometimes when we're really stuck, we may have to follow that up by going rogue and making a significant move in our lives. Now, before I tell you what's up for today, I do just want to take a minute to make mention of a change. So if you have been one of our listeners from the beginning, then you might have noticed that my former adorable co-host, Candace Parisi, has been absent from the past few podcasts. So let me just tell you that Candace, being the busy psychic that she is, has several ventures that she's been juggling. And after um, a lot of deliberation and talking through, decided that she needed to narrow her focus and kind of step away from podcasting, at least for the time being. So I really miss working with her. Um, she's got such a fun personality and a crazy sense of humor. And of course, uh, her amazing intuitive take on things, as I'm sure that you all are missing as well. But hey, I'm going to forge ahead. So today, I'm going to be talking about narcissism with inspirational life coach Eric Casaccio of Now Your Life. Now, Eric specializes in empowerment from narcissistic situations and envisioning your own picture window of life. Eric is also the producer, writer, and director of the acclaimed award-winning films Freak and Narcissist, which are available on several streaming platforms, including Amazon Prime Video. Hello and welcome, Eric. It's not too late to still say Happy New Year, right? Not at all. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. It's off to a really, really good start. So, uh, and, and I'm super excited to talk to you about this topic today. Um, but before we jump into that, I just wanted to say, I think it was so interesting when this subject of, of narcissistic behavior has come up so much over the last like two to three years. I, I don't know. It's like, I had never heard much about it before. And then all of a sudden the last like 24 to 36 months, it just keeps popping up all the time. And, you know, I wasn't that familiar with it before. So I started to do some research and then when I was researching it so I could learn more about it, Um, that's, you know, when I came across you and your website and, um, I thought, well, this is really interesting. I'm going to have to talk to this guy about this since this is his area of expertise. And then when I was digging in and, and looking at, um, your, you know, what you were all about, I discovered that you are a former, a uh, life coach student from the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts in Tempe, which of course is where I originally 10 years ago got my initial life coach certification from. So I thought that was a pretty cool coincidence. Yeah, that's that's incredible alignment that we have right there. And when, when you did reach out to me essentially and told me about it, that was really cool because I really loved Sweeha. I thought, um, you know, I love the Southwest Institute of the Healing Arts. I yeah. thought it was a tremendous experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty special place. 
Very special. Um, in fact, you know, just um, a quick blip. I ended up ultimately um, for a, a brief period of time going back and becoming one of the life coach instructors there as well. So I got to uh, experience it, uh, you know, from two different positions, which was which was really special. I, I love that place. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I'm just, I'm delighted though, that you're, that you're here with us. And I think that this is a subject that a lot of people are really going to want to, uh, explore with us today. So that being said, um, let's start by, by talking about what made you decide to specialize in the area of narcissism. Well, ironically, back in um, 2012, around that time, 2011, 2012, I had a brief romance that I was involved with, and um, it only happened for a short term, for a few months. And after it all ended, I couldn't understand at the time why I was so devastated over it. Like I, I you know, it was a, you know, I've had two major relationships in my life and I thought, you know, how could I be with somebody for years upon years upon years and have a, uh, a healthy uh, ending and then go through something like this and, and then feel completely depleted. Like the, like a vampire basically bit my neck, sucked mm. the life out and just left <laughs> me there, you know? And, uh, and when I, when I uh, went through, when I was going through the, um, what I would call the post-traumatic stress disorder of narcissistic abuse, because that's basically what it is, uh, a friend of mine sat me down and said, you know, Eric, you were involved with somebody that's a nar- that was a narcissist, and he actually described it as a narcissistic sociopath. And I looked at my friend and I said, oh, you know what? That's a little harsh. And he said, Eric, trust me, go online and Google narcissistic abuse and narcissistic personality disorder, and you're going to find everything that you experienced. So Mm -hmm. I did. I went online and I I found, uh, not only did I find a complete entire list of pretty much a breakdown of what it was like. I also, find, I also found an entire community of people that have gone through the same exact thing, whether it be a short-term relationship or a full-fledged marriage. Uh-huh. And I thought, wow, I'm not alone here. I'm not alone here. And then, um, as you know, I did make a, a movie called Narcissist that screened for over two and a half years. That's available on Amazon Prime now. Yes. Uh, and, that was a tre- and that was a tremendous uh, experience. And while I was traveling the film festival circuit, I was meeting tons and tons of people that have gone through narcissistic abuse that came that, that drove to see the movie or um, happened to be in the audience. And then after, during one of the Q and A's, it was actually in Atlanta. I remember it specifically, somebody said to me, have you ever thought about becoming a psychologist? And I said, Oh no, like I, I don't want to be a psychologist. That's never been on my plate ever. Um, and then somebody said, what about a life coach that actually helps people that have gone through something like this? And at the time, I kind of, I'm like, well, that'd be kind of cool because I really, I really love to help people. I think it's sort of an, an innate ability. And then um, shortly after that screening, I sat down with somebody one-on-one that was in a narcissistic marriage, and we had a three-hour conversation. Mm. Uh, and, my, and my set photographer from the movie was with me at the time, and 
you know, this conversation led to tears. It was just so enlightening. And this just kept happening over and over and over and over again. And then I was in New York at the Big Apple Film Festival at Tribeca Cinema, and I met um, a life coach that did, ex- that did ex- uh, experience the Southwest Institute of the Healing Arts, and she was the one that told me about that program. Because I was kind of loosely looking into other programs, and but nothing felt uh, aligned with, you know, what I was looking to do. Right. And then when I called the Southwest Institute of the Healing Arts, I thought, wow, this is like exactly what I want to do. And the program was beyond trans, you know, transformational, not only for myself, but it's just, it just really, every, all the models that you learn and, and, and the methods of, you know, focusing on where a client is now and moving them forward. I thought, okay, I could really take this whole concept of life coaching and put it into um, how to move forward from any narcissistic situation, whether it be a working relationship, a family relationship, a friendship, or a romance. Right. That's how it all came to fruition. Ah, so interesting. So interesting. So, um, okay, so clearly, you know, you were compelled ultimately to step into this space um, due to um, the experience that you personally had. And and that was something that you, so you had not really um, been aware of this type of personality disorder before your relationship either, that it was something new for you. Well, you know, you know what, you know, what's really ironic, Lori, is, um, is I feel that within a good majority of my life, I was uh, I was attracting a lot of that energy into my life, and uh, you know I never knew quite what it was until mm-hmm. this happened, and it was it was a gigantic awakening. Uh, it taught me how to be okay with putting up boundaries against these personalities and and, and knowing just to walk away from them and how to move forward from them, because I never quite understood what it was. I, I never knew. I, I always thought of a narcissist as somebody that went to the gym too much, you know, and, <laughs> and looked in the mirror, you know, looked in the mirror, you know, that whole story about echo and narcissist, you know, the, yeah. Greek, the Greek story. Yeah. I always thought, you know, that's what it was. I never knew that there was so much more to it. Than, and, and there is an entire, it's a whole other thing. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. Than, than what, I thought it was. And that was the irony of the whole thing is I got like a full fledged education by being part of communities like after narcissistic abuse, there's life, light and love. That's a a, a Facebook community that has over 130,000 followers and, um, you know, being, and then getting to meet people that focus specifically on uh, moving forward from narcissistic abuse, like Melanie Tonya Evans, who actually just released an amazing book and another, um, individual named Kalia LaRoche. Uh, I actually found Kalia online. And I remember when I ordered her book, it really, it, it validated everything that I experienced and it helped me move on. And um, I'm gratefully, these two people are, are uh, friends of mine as well. Uh, wow. I, I met Melanie, you know, Melanie was in Los Angeles when I was living there and she came out for a while. We did LA talk radio together uh, and we stayed in touch all these years. If I ever go to Australia, I'm, I'm going to spend time with her. And um, and Kalia, I'm in touch with as well. We actually just did a, a, a radio show together with LA Talk Radio as well, 
with the founder of World Narcissistic Abuse Awareness Day, which is June 1st. We just did the two-year. Uh, Holy cow, this, this, this personality disorder now has a, a day named after it. That's amazing. Uh, well, the, it's not the personality disorder that has a day named after it. It's for people that have gone through narcissistic abuse or, and, and an awareness of narcissistic abuse. Okay. A lot of people don't, yeah, a lot of people don't take narcissistic abuse seriously. And that's something that I feel is finally being justified as something real. Okay. So, so let's, um, before we go further, let's go ahead and talk a, a little bit about what the difference is between, you know, what would be like normal, healthy narcissism, because there is kind of a scale where there's a level of narcissism that m most people, most emotionally healthy people have, but but at one end of the scale, it's there's an there's that normal healthy aspect, and then there's at the far end of the scale, you know the the, the pathological, um, actual um, disorder, which is you know I mean it's a personality disorder, and that there's the spectrum is pretty broad there. So, you know I noticed that the term um, narcissistic personality is is thrown about you know, quite loosely. People use it all the time. And a lot of times they're referring to somebody, you know, that's just displaying a lot of vanity and self-absorption, but that doesn't necessarily mean they have narcissistic personality disorder. Right. Yes. And you know, I'm, re I'm really, yes, I'm really glad that you brought that up. That's a really good thing to pinpoint. Um, you know, you mentioned a moment ago about healthy narcissism and yes, there is, first of all, every human being, all of us, even myself, yourself, everybody, we all have a level of narcissism in us, but there is healthy narcissism and healthy narcissism is, you know, if you accomplish something and you're proud of it mm -hmm. and it's something you, 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 you say, you know, I, I won this award. I'm so, I'm so grateful. You know, yeah. there's a healthy version of narcissism. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, us talking on the air right now. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then there's, it's like based on real people. achievements, right? Your real achievements, your real successes. That's, that's helping you develop a, a sense of positive self-regard, right? They're your accomplishments. Yeah. It's positive self-regard. It's positivity for community. It's positivity for community engagement. And it's also something to be proud of. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with being proud of an accomplishment there. That that's actually, uh, a very healthy thing. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be ashamed of your accomplishments or never talk about them. You want to be, you want to be happy about them. And you want to share that with people that will appreciate it, that will elevate you like you will elevate them. Right. And, but then there's, yeah. And then there's, you know, you, you kind of meant, you kind of pinpointed on people that are constantly, I don't know, we'll say, taking selfies of themselves and, and doing that. And that takes it up another level because, you know, if you're, if you're looking to validate yourself by constantly taking pictures of yourself or whatever, there can be something a little uh, off about that to some, some extent. And that's more of an opinion to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe I'm just getting older, but you know, if I, you know, if I see somebody that I'm attracted to on the internet and they're constantly posting selfies of themselves that are shirtless at this age at 46, I, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really too drawn to that. I'm more drawn to, do you have kind eyes? Do you have a friendly smile? Are you friendly? You know, I want to, mm -hmm. that's more what I'm looking for in my, in my adult life. 
But mm-hmm. now, now we'll get into, um, you know, you, me- you mentioned narcissistic, pers- narcissistic personality disorder or the pathological disorder. Right. Which is a completely different thing. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so what would you like to know about that? So let's just like, you know, um, talk about, you know, what what are some of those common um, identifiable characteristics of somebody that actually is um, suffering, shall we say, from NPD or narcissistic personality disorder? It's a mouthful. So let's just say NPD. <laughs> yeah, the word narcissist is always a challenge to say and enunciate, per, you know, perfect, purposely. Uh, you know, per, how can I say it? Uh, right. You know, yeah. Absolutely perfectly is what I should say. Right. Um, right. So I totally, it's, a, it's kind of a tongue twister in its own design, um, <laughs> which is kind of interesting because it's very symbolic of a narcissist. But right. Anyway, um, so. You know, well, I'll go into the breakdown of what it's like to experience a narcissist when, when you're on the opposite end of one. Um, normally, a narcissist, when you first meet them, are extraordinarily charming. They will tell uh, you everything you ever wanted to hear. They make you feel beyond special, like you're the most incredible, amazing purpose, you know, person in the world. And we'll go on a, on a romantic sense here. Yeah, okay. And you're basically, yeah. You know, you're basically lifted up to this cloud like you were the most amazing person I ever met and I and you're the soulmate of my life and you know, and usually the person that gets drawn into this is usually in a very vulnerable state of their lives unconsciously and does not know that they're actually in that space. So they feel like, wow, I'm, I am special and I deserve to be loved and I'm lifted up to this cloud and everything feels so amazing and wonderful and perfect. And then as soon as the narcissist knows that they got you, mm-hmm. that they have control of you of your, and, and your emotions is when they slowly start to break you down. And it's almost like an insidious. So, so they start with, you know, they go from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, manipulation, a lot of manipulative mind games, a lot of emotional abuse a lot of self-projection onto the uh, person that's involved with them. So the, yeah. the person that's involved with them thinks everything is their fault. Like they're not, they're not worthy and they're not good enough because they didn't, you know, fold the towel right or, you know, whatever. It, it could be a million ridiculous things. And, but when, when the person that's involved with it starts to pick up on, you know, something isn't really right here. And then starts to like talk to them about it is when the narcissist gets very, very combative. Mm-hmm. And since they know they're losing control is when they will usually devalue and discard the person that they're involved with and make right. them feel like there's like they're an empty, make them feel horrible. And they're left with this empty, horrible shell to deal with. Whereas the narcissist is already going into another relationship, like nothing ever happened and is just totally, you know, right. Leaving you like that on purpose. And, and, and it's, it almost feels like a manipulative tactic uh, that almost feels calculated. And the person that goes through it doesn't understand like what they went through that they don't get it. And they're, they're stuck in this emotional turmoil of, of having to heal and they question everything and they go over everything a million and one times. And they're, they're left with this empty, horrible shell to deal with. And, and that's usually the post-traumatic stress of emotional abuse because that's basically right. what it is. 
when you experience yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, because it seems like gaslighting that, you know, that um, that term of gaslighting comes to mind that that they, you know, where they project onto the other person and the in the uh, the person that's being abused, as you as you say, is all of a sudden everything is turned on them and they're made to um, feel like uh, everything is their fault and it's been their mistakes and they're seeing it wrong and and they're hearing it wrong. And so they begin to doubt themselves. Does that sound like the whole you know, process. Once, oh, yeah. Once you've gone from, you know, so first you're idealized, right? They've put you up on a pedestal. So you're feeling really good and special. And then, then, you know, then they go to devaluing and discarding you. You're, you've been pushed off the pedestal, right? Um, which is really then when their true personality is coming through, because that initial one is really not the true them, right? The, the one, the personality no. that you're seeing when they're, when they're idolizing you and making you feel special and putting you up on the pedestal, that's the facade. Is that safe to say? Oh yeah. That's, that's the, that's the perfect word facade. Cause it is a facade. It's not real. And that's, that's the hard part, especially on a romantic dynamic is that you want, you are trying to get back that person that you first met that made you feel so special, whether it be for a week a month, a day, or three months, you, you want it, and then you get glimmers of that every now and then, like you'll be broken down, and then you'll get that moment of, here's a carrot, you know? Yeah. And, and everything, everything feels like it's going to be okay, and then all of a sudden it goes back to something else. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, gaslighting is definitely, gaslighting is a huge thing narcissists do, because they know it's a manipulative, emotional, abusive tactic. They know that they, they know how to break their person down so they get them to react. So they can say, oh, look, see, you are this person because you're reacting like this. Because they basically did all these things to get the person to react. And, and that comes in many different forms, that, mm-hmm. that kind of reaction. That kind of reaction can come from uh, simply ignoring you in front of a group of people on purpose. You yeah. Know, try to make you look bad. You know what I mean? They love to do stuff like that. Um, you know, you could, you could be that person, you know, a narcissist does not like it when you decide that you can see right through them and you really don't want anything to do with them anymore. And you just kind of slowly back away, you know what I'm saying? And then if you happen to see that person in real life out in a, out in in a group setting and you go and say hi to them, they'll purposely ignore you. They'll walk, they'll turn their heads, they'll walk away because that's their way of having to have control. Mm-hmm. and uh and they, they want you to chase them but don't in a way they're doing you a favor it's like okay now you're real now you're really showing me the truth you know mm-hmm. yes and uh and that yeah. and they do stuff like that because they want you to look bad in front of a group of people because yeah because it's a, like a status down- thing right they're really into hierarchy and they want to be seen at the top of the hierarchy they want to have that high status and so you know they're um they're very prone to looking for opportunities like that to make sure that um, you're seen as a lower status. Oh, yeah, that's what they want. And the reason why is because they see the narcissist will see something in that other person that they will never be, no matter what they accomplish. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they don't really 
because of that, it, it, it's almost like a light and dark thing. That's kind of how I compare it. Mm-hmm. You know, the narcissist is dark and the person that's usually involved with them is light and they want to have that light, but they don't, they'll never have it because they're not genu- genuinely light. They're, there's no authenticity. It's, it's all about, you know, manipulation, gaslighting, and emotional abuse to them. It's not real. And they see something in the other person that they will never be. And deep down, I really, truly believe that that bothers them. And they're going to do everything they can to put that person's light out. But it's up to that other person to, know, to really have a true educational understanding of this persona and be okay with themselves to return to their true authentic self, which is what I do in the life coaching process, you know, mm-hmm. it's to return to who you are truly to get out of this toxic thing that you've been, all this projection that's been put onto you to know, okay, this is not the reality of who I am. Remember who you are and, and figure out what you can do starting right now to move forward with yourself because one of the things I do, and every, anybody that comes to me for the Empowerment from Narcissistic Situations Life Coaching Program, I have a 20-minute uh, free consultation with, for, for both my life, co- life coaching programs. I also do general life coaching, which is called the Picture Window of Life. But with the, uh, the Empowerment Program, within the 20-minute uh, connection through Skype or Zoom or however the client wants to connect, you know, I basically use that time to go over what the life coaching process is and to answer any questions that they have. But for this specific program, I say to every single person that's considering this is we could sit there and go over the 500 and million and one things that the narcissist did, that the narcissist said, <laughs> all of it. Yeah. Okay? But that isn't, that isn't what we're going to do in life coaching because that's, that's what therapy is for. We're going to go over what can you do starting right now to move forward. We're going to focus on you now because it's not about this. These sessions are not about the narcissist. It's about you. And I have, I designed models through the stages of grief, through the stages of trauma uh, that, that help the client move forward through denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and then the victim, you know, the, the stages of trauma, which is vic- going from a victim to a survivor, to a thriver, to a server, to an empowered server. And it's imperative to go through these things uh, and, and really figure out mo- how to move forward. Uh, when a client does start with the program, uh, you know, we usually start with a a model called Your Story, which I think you're familiar with in uh, mm-hmm. Sweetha. And I, I basically took that concept and I, I really liked the Your Story concept because it gives me the opportunity with, to collaborate within a safe space connection with the client and talk about, get it all out, get their story out and really talk about, okay, we, on the pyramid of Your Story, we have the three characters, victim, rescuer, and persecutor. And normally, when a client does come into the empowerment program, I, I ask them, okay, what, what character or characters do you see yourself as on this pyramid? And I would say most of the time they say, I'm between a victim and a rescuer. Ah, uh, yes. And then we basically, yeah, because usually 
anybody that gets involved with a narcissist is genuinely a sensitive person, also known as an empath. A lot of empaths get involved with narcissists, and they usually end up being the victim and the rescuer. But our job in the collaborative safe space connection between the client and the coach is to get them to not be a victim anymore. And ultimately, that all breaks down to, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say this to anybody out there that's listening to this that's ever gone through narcissistic abuse or is going through narcissistic abuse currently, is it is, first of all, it is not your fault that the narc, you know, that this happened, okay? It's not your fault, so don't blame yourself. But a good question to ask yourself is, what is it about you that may or may have not have attracted this situation into your life? Or why were you attract? what made you attracted to it to begin with? Yeah. And what can you do to make sure it doesn't happen again? Yes. Ultimately, that question is really the big issue. It's not, the, 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 what the narcissist did and said, yes, it's all wrong. It's all abuse. It's all disgusting. I agree 120%. But that question right there is the foundation of focusing on you. And that's why the business is called, is called Now Your Life, because it's focusing on them and you. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's getting them to move forward because move, move, looking backwards isn't going to help. Right, right. The only the only thing about the only helpful part about that is if you're able to do it and recognize your own behavior and, you know, what you want to do, what you need to change, maybe, or what you need to look at deeply within yourself moving forward so that you don't, you know, fall into that same type of situation. Yes, and I love the way you just said that. That's wonderful because, as you know, when you are coaching people, those aha moments come up. And that, through, through the powerful, potent questions, especially with this particular program, that happens a lot. Yeah. They, they discover that what it is about them themselves that, that, okay, wow, I didn't know that was there. Yeah. You know, and then, okay, now, now in the now, let's, let's work on that. You know, let's, let's get you to move forward from that. Yeah. How can we move forward from that? Yeah, exactly. So, so let's, um, let's do a quick recap on, um, I just want to make sure that we maybe give some of the most obvious red flags so that, um, people that are wondering, whoa, is that, you know, is that so-and-so in my life? Is that, you know, is that the person, (laughs) is that why I'm feeling this way? Or is that why this relationship is in this place? So let's give a couple of quick bullet points on what, what really that pathological, um, narcissistic, um, person, what that looks like. I mean, you know, there's a few red flags that are easy to start looking at. Um, like, you know, most, I have found that people that are, um, that have NPD are very, very defensive people and they have a tendency to, like if your opinion or somebody's opinion is different from theirs um, and they're challenged, they really act like they're being attacked. They're very defensive. Do you find that that's a red flag that you as well? Is that something? Yeah, that can be, that's definitely one of them. Um, for bullet point purposes, I actually have a list in front of me right now that I will read. Beautiful. Um, would you like to hear that? Absolutely. They are extraordinary, very extraordinarily charming. Mm-hmm. They lack empathy, manipulative, 
cunning, pathological lying, secretive, paranoid, self-projecting, need to be adored slash worshipped, controlling, always needs to be right, does not perceive there is anything wrong with them, no conscious, scapegoat, incapable of accepting responsibility for anything they do, lack of remorse, shame, or guilt. Yeah, that pretty well sums it up. Pretty well sums it up. I also noticed that it seems like um, the narcissistic person really likes, um, for lack of a better term, uh, to have a harem, you know, like a, a group of adoring people that, you know, that they get that from, that fills them up with all of that adoration and validation that they are, you know, addicted to receiving from outside of themselves. So it seems like there's always, you know, and if you're somebody that falls out of favor, then you're replaced with the next unsuspecting worshiper. Yeah. And, you know, Lori, in my opinion, that is one of the biggest problems of our entire world right now. Is, and I really think, in my opinion, is it all actually starts in high school. Even before, I, I would say around fifth grade, when kids decide who's considered to be popular and not popular. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, the popular person, the one that's king, you know, king or queen of the crop, is generally a very mean, abusive person that everybody follows and does whatever they say and thinks they're this, they're so wonderful and fabulous and you know and all this stuff when when that person is generally a very abusive horrible person that does horrible things to a lot of people yeah and we're in this we're in this society where that's where it all starts and then if you really think about it even in adult life when you have we'll use Harvey Weinstein as an example for years upon years upon years, I lived in Los Angeles, and a lot of people in Los Angeles knew what that man was doing, and nobody did anything about it until it was exposed. Mm-hmm. And think of all the people, all the pain in the world that could have been stopped if somebody did, anything, did something about that decades ago. Yeah. And I feel that is the major, that is the major issue with, uh, is this whole popularity stuff and, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't, you know, I was bullied a lot as a child, you know, through my early years. And I have to say that that was my wound. That was mm-hmm. my unconscious wound is I was still carrying that in my adult life. And I carried it for, I carried it up until probably my late thirties, you know, that, that wound. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's the thing is, it all starts in those formative years. And I feel in the educational system, I wish they would bring this up. I wish they would start this at a young age. So right. kids don't divide like that because our world is so divided right now, especially with social media being out there as, as valuable as social media is in a lot of senses, it's, it's, it's causing a lot of issues with division in my opinion. And, uh, and I find that that's one of the major issues within the realm of uh, narcissistic abuse as well, because people will worship and adore these people and give them, enable them and give them fuel to keep behaving this way. And then everybody thinks it's okay, or they think it's cool when it's not, it's not okay. It's not cool. And it's not right. And I get very, I get very, you know, we talked about being defensive earlier. 
There's a difference between when, because all every human being has a level of being defensive. Okay, if you have to stand up for yourself, you're going to get a little defensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when when something like this comes up, the topic of when I see somebody being ridiculed wrongly, and you know when somebody's basically being abused and not and nobody's taking responsibility for it, and I'll use an example. Um, Imagine you ha- imagine if you had a son and your son was being bullied in school to the point where it was it was just he was afraid to go to school where he was being beaten up and attacked every day and you took your child into the principal's office to have a meeting and the principal basically blamed your son mm-hmm. for going to school dressed a certain way and didn't you know and didn't do anything about the bullies I think you would get a little defensive right mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know>? Well <laughs> sure mm-hmm. sure so, you know, there's that, there's that, that's, in, and that's the thing is when it, when you mentioned gaslighting, a lot of narcissists will get an individual to gaslight you like that. So you look like you're the defensive one when it's really them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, um, the context is different. You know, there, there is a time when, a, when obviously somebody has to, d- does take, need to take a stand, a stand up for themselves or for somebody else on their behalf. Um, and that's, that's one form that's, you know, that's, uh, being, um, demonstrated in a, in a healthy manner that is to, you know, um, stop some bad behavior. And then there's the other kind of extreme defensiveness where somebody is, um, so ultra sensitive they're, they're, you know, they're so hypersensitive. I think that's what it really is. The person with NPD is like a hypersensitive to even minor, what they would consider slights. And so they get very defensive. Whereas somebody with, you know, that that's just got a healthy level of self-esteem or you could say healthy narcissism wouldn't even notice those minor slights. They, they just, they don't, they, they don't notice them or they don't, um, you know, they don't affect their, them emotionally. But a person with NPD is so hypersensitive to that because they're so, you know, they're so focused on status and you know what I mean by status, right? You know, being at the top, being being considered the, the at a higher level than, and everyone else is at a lower level. Does that make sense? Yeah, grandiose, self yes. self important. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and you know, the other thing is on the polar opposite um, attraction to a narcissist is generally an empath, and empaths are also very hypersensitive, but in a very different way yeah. because an empath is very giving and very loving and, and will bend over backwards and help somebody. And then when a narcissist is treating them a certain way, their hypersensitivity can get shaken very easily. So they don't yeah. understand, they don't understand what they're experiencing or why they're being defensive in the beginning. Cause they don't know, they don't know that they're in a narcissistic situation. Sure. Uh, and you know, what the empath eventually needs to learn is how to not allow that to affect them because the narcissist knows that if they do this, then he'll, he'll react or she'll react this way. And then the mm-hmm. empath finally understands, you know, I'm not going to, you know, when, when they know that they can't control you and they, and they can't upset you and they can't, and they can't do anything to you anymore is when they will avoid you, talk terribly about you, right? Um, right. Or just, or just won't won't have anything to do with you anymore. They'll go and find somebody else that they can do that with, and control. Right. And um, and that's you know, control is never love. 
anybody that's trying to control you in any dynamic of your life uh, is not love. It's something to look at because a relationship, no matter what it is, isn't always about control. Because control to me is ego, and ego is never um, something that is, in my opinion, a genuine connection. If you're in, if you're in something for ego, no matter what it is, uh, you have to look at the reasons why. Mm-hmm. And a narcissist can't do right. that. They're too afraid to go in because they're afraid what they're really going to see will frighten them. Mm. Fascinating. Yeah. You know, that control thing is is big because, you know, if people in a relationship with somebody with um, NPD d- doesn't understand that, um, y- you can't you can't jump through enough hoops to consistently make that person happy because you have to show up in a certain way all the time in order for the narcissist to be, um, you know, to deem you okay. Right. And to, and for, for everything to be okay in the relationship. And the minute you don't show up the way they expect you to show up, you know, shit's going to hit the fan. Oh yeah. You feel like you're walking on eggshells. Yeah. You're doing everything to please. You want to, you want your, you know, it's people pleasing and, um, and they know that you're a people pleaser. So they're going to totally take advantage of that. Ironically, do you remember the more or less tool from Sweeha from the yes. Institute of the Healing Arts? Yeah. Remember control versus approval. Um, I actually utilize the control versus approval model in my, um, in my practice as well. I actually have an ebook as well. And um, basically I'll read to you the, the introduction to this, to this coaching tool and how it's utilized. I say narcissistic personalities are prone to needing consistent control. And this control can bring on an unconscious need for their approval. Unfortunately, this dynamic may encompass worthless and stuck feelings for you. However, your likely sensitive self is by far the furthest thing from being considered worthless. You are more than too good to be true on this earth. Embrace that. And then we go through the, we actually, there's a, there's the, uh, the circle of control and, and approval. And we go through ways that you need control and ways that you need approval because unconsciously the empath of the sensitive person that's involved with the narcissist probably didn't even realize that they're, by by gain, by trying to seek approval, they may be doing things for control. You know what I'm saying? Not they're mm-hmm. trying to control. Not, they're not controlling like a narcissist is controlling, but unconsciously, by their need for approval, they they may be trying to get control. Not in every yeah. single sense. And um and then how mm-hmm. to you know how to break that down through potent questions and stuff like that. Right. Um. You know, approval can, can bring on stuff as a need for validation or shame or feeling embarrassed or doing only what others expect or lessening yourself to please others uh, and all kinds of stuff like that. Or fear of losing acceptance or fear of not being loved or fear of others being mad at you and then people pleasing or fear of just speaking your truth. And you know, and there's also a lot of difficulty making decisions when you need approval and, and you make Sometimes in order to get control, sometimes you make, you may make inauthentic compliments to please the narcissist. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You may, you know, just to give, to give them validation. And that's 
you know, that's where approval can lead into ways that you may need control or are trying to get control to make everything okay so you don't lose that person because you think you can't live without that person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, perfect sense. So, so for you, um, you know, I kind of like to, I think maybe this might be an opportunity to, to tie this in with, uh, with my, my going rogue scenario here. Do you feel like, um, in order to extricate yourself from your relationship with a narcissist, did you have to, you know, m- just come to a, a a point where you had to make a radical change? Did you have to do something that by your own standards was kind of going rogue and, and in order to, you know, get out of the situation and move forward? Or was there a different point in your life that, that, you know, you experienced going rogue, um, where it had a major impact in your life? Um, may I answer that question in, in terms of, uh, I'll answer what, what, what made me go rogue in my life, which isn't, which is actually not related to this. Yeah, um, please. It's just something different, but it could, for, for people that are going through narcissistic abuse, uh, a lot of the things for going rogue for them is going no contact with their mm. narcissist as much as possible. And if you're able to block them everywhere on your phone, on Facebook, every social media outlet, email, everywhere they can get a hold of you, do it. Because that gives you time to heal and move forward. Now I do know I do understand that every situation is different and sometimes there's marriages where you have children where there has to be some communication. Yeah. So the best thing to do there is to evaluate, okay, how can I minimize as much contact with this person as possible? You know, in an example, if, you, if you're separating and you don't live together, you know, mm-hmm. can you go through a third party contact, contact or um, can you go through legal or whatever it is? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, to minimize your, your, your contact with them as much as possible. So that, I just wanted to throw that out there because Definitely. I feel that's an important Thing. Yeah, it, uh, it is. My... It is. But and before we move on, I just I, I love that. Um, and I think that's a really good point because, you know, go, going rogue or doing, you know, doing something that's like a radical shift in your life so that, you know, for every person that's going to that's the standard or the bar for that is going to be different. Um, and I think, you know, your point about a lot of times people that are empaths or extreme, you know, extremely sensitive people, you know, get, um, paired up with the person that's very narcissistic. And so doing something like, you know, no contact or very minimal contact in order to, you really do have to kind of go rogue by, by your own standards. If you're that person in order to, um, get, get the, uh, kind of untangle yourself from the relationship. Is that a fair statement? That's wonderful. I love the way you worded that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. okay. So now I want to hear your going rogue story. <laughs> okay. Um, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, so um, anyway, uh, so back in 2000, it was January 1st, 2014. Uh, I, you know, I just, okay, I, I'll get, I'm going to rewind this just a little bit. The end of 2013, I finished my movie narcissist i the edit the final cut getting getting ready to release the movie and um so i was living in los angeles living in west hollywood you know 
living the living the ray of light lifestyle. Uh, and I did 19 years in Los Angeles, and they were incredible years. They were. Uh, but I had an awakening. I got hit by – I actually was getting ready to cross the street, uh, and I got hit by a car at 40 miles an hour. Oh, jeez. Uh, and, yeah, and um, it was not my fault. I hit the button. I looked to my left. A kid in the first lane and a bicycle stopped for me. The person in the first lane and a vehicle stopped for me. I looked to my left. As I'm getting ready to step into the crosswalk, I go to look on safe to see, you know, to see my destination, and the person in the second lane hit me not knowing that they hit me because they weren't paying attention. Oh. So after, without going into all the details, gratefully because I take care of myself, I had, I, I, uh, I, was, I healed from the accident within a month. Um, and then my movie was getting ready to premiere. And um, it premiered at the Boston uh, LGBT Film Festival. And during that period of my life, my father was passing away. So I flew back uh, as as my movie was premiering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my father was passing away of dementia, and uh, and I had my movie premiere, and then I was doing I was doing press interviews, and I didn't. I, I gotta tell you, it was very hard to be on. Um, I remember having to do two radio shows, three radio shows that week when my father was passing away while the movie was premiering. And I did it because I knew the people that donated to this film, to that project, were a good majority of them went through narcissistic abuse. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 joy, the joy for me on that film, I realized, wasn't being a filmmaker. It was having a, it was, it was and both of my films have done this. They're humanity projects, and I, I enjoy that aspect of it, of, a, of, of creating something, whether it be a film, a life coaching manual, a life coaching business that brings clarity and awareness to people. Um, I found that that is more what I'm about with any creative endeavor that I do, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realized that my, you know, my life in L.A. and Los Angeles didn't feel... I just didn't feel an, an alignment and I never felt alignment there. Uh, I, I do consider myself an empath. And as I'm getting older, I don't like being in big cities. I don't, I do not enjoy big crowds. I, I actually, as much as I've, I've had success in the spotlight and I definitely am proud of that. You know, uh, it, it definitely was a, it was a great thing, but it wasn't the spotlight that I loved. It was, people that I would have these one-on-one conversations that I would have with people that have gone through narcissistic abuse or whatever that I enjoyed more of than, you know, the 700 seat full theater, um, attention, you know, media, blah, blah, blah stuff. And I'm grateful that I've, I've had great, you know, I've been, I've been on NBC six in the mix with Roxanne Vargas. I've had, uh, I was in the Huffington Post in 2015. I did a radio show that made the Huffington Post and they did a whole spread, which was fantastic. But for me, as I'm getting older, I, I realized that my going rogue for me was leaving Los Angeles and moving to St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, living a much simpler life. Uh, I think that less is more. And, um, you know, I will create, I'm in the midst of creating more art as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's for me, it's, it's just about messages. It's about having a message and having something to say and hopefully inspiring other people and creating movement, awareness, and change for others. That's what 
my work is about. Uh, and it was having, getting hit by a car at 40 miles an hour is what made me look at my surroundings and made me look at some people that were around me that were not really my friend, uh, yeah. that were more in it for an opportunity. Sure. And, um, you know, op- opportunistics are, are also another, t- another part of being a narcissist. Um, but sometimes people are just opportunistic. And, um, and those people, unfortunately, it's hard when you make a friend with somebody and you realize that you were just an opportunity to them until they got what they needed. You were just that bridge to step on and move forward, friend. And, uh, and then that's, that's a lesson, though. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I, went through yeah. a, I went through a lot of lessons in my life. Uh, to finally know, okay, I'm, I, this isn't working, and I'm going to put a boundary up here because I don't want to be around this. And, you know, and, and knowing what works for me and what doesn't. Like, no, I don't want to go to a club till 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night. I really want to go see a theater show instead because that's more about what I'm into. Mm-hmm. And just knowing what works for you, and that goes with anything in life, dating, um, friendship, mm-hmm. family, everything. And, and, and going rogue with when I got hit by the vehicle – I felt very, like, I looked around at my life, and I thought, you know, I, I did 19 years here. It's time to move on. Like, I don't want to see, I don't want to be here another 20 years, you know. Uh, I didn't feel like I was going forward. I just felt very, like, all of my, all of my existence was based on the laurels that I was getting, and I, I didn't feel that as a person that mm-hmm. I, was, I was using laurels as validation you know, wanting to yeah. feel accepted, wanting to feel loved, wanting to feel valued. And you can't go, I, I just no longer couldn't go on my life based on my accomplishments. You know, that wasn't, that was not healthy. And I, I really wanted to be more connected to self and to consciousness and to be around people that are connected to self and consciousness, not, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 a great going rogue story, because, you know, uh, when so many people, the dream is to go where you were and to be in, shall we say, the Hollywood machine, you were in it and you were you know, you had all this momentum going and you actually uh, things culminated um, you know, with your father and, and getting hit by a car at 40 miles an hour. It's amazing. You even survived that. Uh, and you did, you did the opposite. You decided to extricate yourself from that, which is a pretty, you know, that's definitely a going rogue move. And, um, and like you said, just, um, move in a different direction. You moved to the other side of the country and, uh, and had a different, um, focus for what you really wanted. I, you followed, uh, the calling of your heart instead of, staying there where, you know, where you weren't feeling like you were in alignment with what you really were all about. Yeah. And and I like how you use the word extricate because from that accident, I've learned to extricate relationships that are not working for me very quickly now. Yeah. You know, I don't allow, I don't allow myself to stay connected to something that is not healthy you know, I look at what my part is, how did I allow this into my life again? And mm-hmm. then I say, no, I back away. I don't argue. I don't engage. I just back away very simply. And a lot of people don't like that. But mm-hmm. again, hopefully yeah. after backing away, maybe I pray that maybe they'll look at themselves a little bit and ask themselves why. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's their fault. They're a bad person. It just means that this isn't working and yeah. it's time to move on. You know what I'm saying? And um, I, I don't let myself 
stay in situations like that because I learned that life is short and I want to be in situations. I want to be with people that if I'm going to have people in my life, we're going to elevate one another. Yes. Uh, I, I, I found myself in situations where I'd be, I'd be putting somebody up on a pedestal that loves to be adored and worshipped and, and all that. I, I don't ever want, I don't, I don't want anybody treating me that way. And I don't want to treat, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to treat somebody that way to have them in my life. Right. Because the moment you stop adoring, the moment you stop adoring them and worshiping them is when, is when they, they won't bother with you anymore. And I'm just like, you know, I dealt in Los Angeles, there was, Los Angeles is not a bad place. I did leave in the first year and a half I was gone. I was, I was, I was very like, I never want to go back there again. But now there's, there are things about it. I'm like, wow, you know what? That was a really, that was 19 years of wisdom. You know, I got to be who I was there. You know mm-hmm. I, I got I came I came out of the closet in Los Angeles. I, I had my three best friends in the entire world that I'm still in touch with. Uh, I met there. You know, they're like family to me. They we've we have seen one another go through the best and the worst and we've always accepted our we've always accepted them our each other in our best and in our worst. You know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. when you know you have if you can count if you can count that many people on one hand in your life, that's all you really need. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. And, and I think it's, um, you know, you know, you're in a healthy place when you can look back on things like that. And you are in the place where you can truly and sincerely take the best with you and discard the rest. And then you can, you know, to go a step further, you take all of the the lessons and the best and the things that uh, your your own life experience, and that's what you use to be able to help other people, which is, you know, what you're doing. I, I am always, um, I'm just always a fan of anybody that is using their experiences to, to, um, to help others and maybe, you know, lessen someone else's suffering in any way. That's a, it's a noble thing to, um, you know, to follow that calling. I, I love that. Um, so, so Eric, actually I've got, I've got one more question for you. This has been really an interesting topic and, um, and I'm so glad that, uh, you had, so many great things to share with people. I think that there's, there's so much good information here. And, um, I want to give you an opportunity now before I ask you my last question to, um, let our listeners know, uh, where they can find you and your services and, you know, everything that you have out in the world that you want to share with them. Yeah. I'd like to read a meme that I wrote a while ago. Like okay. I think we, when we all make Sometimes when we make mistakes, I think we can get really hard on ourselves, including myself, because I, I can be very hard on myself sometimes. Yeah. But I wrote this meme a while ago, and this is what it says. Make peace with the mistakes you have made. They are the best education you will ever receive as long as you learn from them and take the appropriate action to keep moving forward. Beautiful. What do you think of that? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's right on, right on. Exactly. If you can do that, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. Very good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I love that meme. I, I try to look at it whenever I have moments like that where I find my, I'm like, oh, here's a situation again. How did I do this? And I'm like, okay, learn from this and move on, you know, uh, and that's, that's what life is. Uh, Because life isn't, life isn't always perfect, let's face it. And 
it's, it's, it can be really hard sometimes. And, uh, and that is a reality to look at and to understand and be okay with. And well, the, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. The, the learning is, you know, the lessons in the learning is where you are able to start um, gaining wisdom. Uh, you, you can't become a wiser person and, and evolve into that place of, of having some measure of wisdom without having gone through, you know, uncomfortable situations, um, and, and life lessons. And then if you're not going to learn from them, you're not going to really gain any wisdom. If you just, you know, chalk it up to, you know, I was just dealt a crappy hand and that's just life, you know, things suck, it's hard. And then you go on without really learning, you miss the whole point. You miss the whole, it's the, the gift is still sitting there in the lesson that you didn't, and you didn't pick it up. You didn't take it with you. Yes. And sometimes we have to get hit over the head with the same, <laughs> with the same, same thing yeah. so we finally look at it and be like okay that's what this is right and you know what everybody everybody has a different timeline and it's okay right yes yes we're all on our own we're all on our own path and our own with our own clock and that you're you're right it's it's okay eventually everybody will get there it's just a matter of when <laughs> exactly very well said. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So tell us, so I know you have, um, your website and, uh, where, where can we find you? You can find me at nowyourlife.com. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at now your life, as well as Twitter, as well as Instagram. And the, uh, keyword is now your life. 23. So if you want to, if you just put in now your life two three, that's where you can uh, follow me there if you'd like to. I also have a film called Narcissist uh, that is available on Amazon Prime as well as a, a, a platform called Deku. And I actually just signed a contract with another platform called Reverie. Uh, Reverie and Deku are available on a worldwide basis and uh, Amazon Video Prime is uh, in certain countries only. Uh, and if you want to follow that, you can go to NarcissistTheMovie.com is the website. And then we also have an Instagram and Twitter and Facebook for that as well. And I also made another movie called Freak, which is a humanistic pro uh, project about that basically tailors around the subject of bullying. And if you want to follow that, you can follow Freak the film on Facebook, Twitter. I just created an Instagram for that because when I made that film, Instagram didn't exist. Mm. And I have an older website, freakthefilm.com. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I saw both of them on my Amazon Prime. Um, so very enlightening. Um, and I know a lot of people have access to that now too. So good. So everybody now knows where they can um, find your movies and all of your information. And if you find um, that you would like to work with Eric, um, I would I would highly recommend you uh, you seek him out because this is definitely his area of expertise. He's a, a, a wonderful coach. And, uh, and I'm delighted that you took the time to, uh, hang out with me today and, and hopefully our listeners, um, gained some, some good information here. That's going to help them should they find themselves in this type of a situation. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute honor, uh, doing the show with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Of course, of course. I am going to let you go. Um, You have a wonderful rest of your day and we will be in touch. Thank you so much, Eric. You are welcome. All right, everyone. If you liked what you heard today, I would love it if you are subscribed to the We're Talking Shift podcast on Apple Podcasts. And please do me a solid and give me a rating. You can also find We're Talking Shift on SoundCloud. And if you are trying to make some shift happen in your life and you'd like private coaching with me, then please do contact me either on Facebook or through my website, lauribischoff.com. I will talk to you all next week. Stay feisty, my friends, and go make some shift happen. That means you too, Gary V. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.